I'd like to ask you to take your Bibles and turn with me, if you will, please, to the book of Matthew, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10 this morning. And I'd like us to look beginning in verse 28. We're going to read down to verse 31, and our focal point this morning is verse 30. These are the words of our Lord as he is speaking to his own disciples. And let's hear God's word this morning. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, a penny? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father, that is, without his control. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. And may God add his blessing to the word of God. And all God's people said, Amen. I think you'd agree with me this morning that the Bible is filled with memorable and repeatable, quotable verses. One of my wife's favorite saying to her children are, is, the Bible says, and then she'll quote something to them. Well, this morning I'd like us to take a few moments to look at what Jesus said to his own disciples, so we could say his own children, found in Matthew 10 in verse 30, a verse that we're probably somewhat familiar with, but maybe have not paid much attention to. That verse says in Matthew 10 and verse 30, but the very hairs, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Now to me, this is a a very interesting verse. Uh, First of all, because it's easy to grasp. Everybody's got a head and most of us have hair on top of it. And it's easy to grasp because our head is something, our hair is something that we pay attention to. We, we wash it, we cut it, we curl it, we comb it, we shape it, we color it. And for some of us, we do everything we can to keep from losing it. So our hair is something we pay attention to. And the verse to me is interesting because it arouses my curiosity. You say, what curiosity? Well, He says the very hairs of your head are numbered, and so therefore, what's the obvious question? How many hairs on top of your head? Have you ever asked that question? By the way, if you need an answer to all of life's questions, where do you go? You go to Google, of course, and type it in, and Google will tell you that the average human being has somewhere between 100 and 150,000 hairs on top of their head which leads me to the most important second question, and that is, who cares? (laughs) I mean, we really don't care, therefore we really haven't numbered the hairs on our head, and yet, it seems like here, obviously, evidently, God cares, and therefore, if he has numbered our hairs on our head, what is he wanting to convey to us about the depth of his relationship to us. And there's one other thing I'd like to say about this verse to me that's very interesting. 
And this is not something that maybe you would naturally know, but actually what Jesus is doing, who is the master communicator, is using an ancient form of logic to make a point. Now, that form of logic you are aware of, we just don't use the Latin language, but technically the term is a fortiori. It means to argue from a lesser point to a greater point. For example, Paul did this. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? So if God has given us the greatest gift, his son, he will give us a lesser gift. It's a point of logic, but it's more than just logic. It's emotional logic. It's intended for you to feel it. So he uses an illustration, and here's the point. If God cares about you so much that he would actually number the hairs of your head that you really don't care that much about. What about the rest of your life? What about the things that you care about? And in specific, the theme of this passage is actually quite clear. And what God really cares about. What is the theme of the passage? Well, notice what he says in verse 28. He says, and fear not. In verse 31, he says, therefore, fear ye not. What's the point of the passage? He is addressing through the knowledge of God that he's trying to convey to us in the numbering of the hairs of our head that you and I should not We should not live in fear. And the fact of the matter is, in our day that we're living in today, what is the number one or one of the greatest problems people struggle with? And that struggle is with mental health. This is a great passage for the answers to some of our struggles in life because at the very core of mental health, things like anxiety and depression, at the very lowest level, it is that we have things that we are afraid about and they deeply affect us. And so what Jesus is doing here is he is helping us to learn how to think. He is helping us with our mental thinking processes of life that will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. He is giving us this illustration so that you and I can face the fears that we all face in our lives. So let's do this this morning. Let's let's go a little bit deeper. For if the Lord has numbered the hairs of your head, then what is he trying to say to us about himself? And I want you to notice this morning four things that God is trying to convey to us through this very simple illustration. The first thing that God is trying to convey to us is that he is in control. What does he say? The very hairs of your head have all been numbered. Now that verb all been numbered, is not in the present tense. It's not what he's doing now. It's in a different form. It's actually speaking about what God did yesterday. And as we understand the nature of God, because God doesn't live in time, God lives in eternity. Everything God does today, he did yesterday. And yesterday for God is in eternal past. 
In other words, God did not number the hairs on your head when the day you were born. He numbered them before he ever created the world because God always has been. He is eternal. Now, we use words, for example, as we read the Bible, words that that are really hard for us to grasp. Words like predestination. Words like foreordination. Words like sovereignty, God's control. And when we hear words like that, oftentimes we find ourselves a little bit struggling with that because what we're doing is we're struggling with understanding. But folks, let me, let me make it really clear. You are never going to understand God fully. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His thoughts are as high as the heaven. We cannot fully comprehend what God is like. But what God is like is that he is eternal and he is sovereign and he rules and he always has been. And what he's doing today, he did in eternity past. Why? Because God is in control. When I became a Christian At the age of 19 years old, I was a freshman in college. I grew up here in South Carolina, and I grew up in Columbia. Uh, Went to all all of my uh, education, was in our public school system here, graduated from public high school, and I went off to the Citadel in Charleston, South Carolina. My freshman year, I became a believer. I I wasn't really led to Christ by my closest friend, but he's the one that shared the gospel with me all throughout my freshman year, and... Over spring break in 1975, my freshman year, uh, I accepted the Lord as my Savior. And I began to grow spiritually. And one of the things I began to struggle with in the first couple of years of my Christian life is, why did I grow up in the home that I grew up in? Why did I have the parents that I had? Why was I born in this particular town? Why did I grow up in this city? Why did I have these things? Why did I not have these things? And as time began to go along, as the more I began to understand the nature of God, I have learned that God was in control of all those things. That God is in control of where I was born and when I was born and who my parents were and how I was raised. And some of those don't always fit in our mind because there are struggles with life and there are difficulties with life. But I have come to understand that God is in control. From the first to the last, everything has happened according to God's purpose ordained by God's will. There is nothing so little in the mind of God as to be beneath his notice. And there's nothing so great as to be beyond his control. Everything that takes place is within the purpose of God. He has numbered even the very hairs of my head. And that's why we can say confidently and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them that are called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. God is in control. And think about it. If your hair turns gray or if your hair turns loose, it's still under the providential care of an all-wise God. You can trust him. Now think of it. If that's true of your hair, which you don't care that much about, What about the rest of your life? What about the things you actually really care about? What about the things that cause you care? 
Be careful for nothing. That is, care, the things you worry about, the things that make you lay awake at night in bed, the things that wake you up at 3.30 in the morning and you can't go back to sleep, the things that, that, that come into your life, whether it's in your family or, or whether it's in your work or whether it's in your friendship or whether it's in your finances, The things that you face physically, your infirmities, your difficulties, your hardships, your heartaches, your heartbreaks, all of those things are under the sovereign care of God. That's a hard lesson to learn. It's not easy to learn this. I think of a fellow named Job who essentially lost everything. He lost his wealth. He lost his health. He lost the most important thing, his own children. And how did he respond to this enormous, these enormous difficulties and burdens that he went through? He said, these words the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What did he do when he said that? What was he doing? He was acknowledging God as the first calls of all things. I want to say it again. He was acknowledging God as the first cause of all things. For example, we love him. Why? Because he what? First loved us. God is the cause of everything. Everything starts with him. Everything is sustained by him. And everything comes back. Everything stops with him. I don't think you'll really find peace in life until you come to a place where you are willing to rest in the sovereign control of God over your life. And so if your way is rough or smooth, if your way is bitter or sweet, if your way is what you want, and if your way is what you don't want, you still can trust in God and rejoice in Him You say, preacher, I struggle to understand the things that happen in my life. You may not understand, but when you cannot rise up to comprehend, you can always bow down to worship because God is in control. Therein lies the peace of your heart. His sovereign rule and reign over your life. He has numbered the hairs of your head. So the first thing is that God conveys his control. But then there's something else here. That is secondly that God conveys his intimacy with us. He says the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Now think about how intimate that is. I mean that's knowledge about you that you don't have about yourself. Have you numbered the hairs of your head? That's knowledge about you that nobody else knows. I've been married now for, what, 43 years in August. Is that right, sweetheart, or 42? You and I are both thinking. uh, That's not too good today. Anyway, uh, I mean, nobody knows me better than my wife. And in 42 years, she's never said, can I number the hairs of your head? 
I have some really good friends that know, know me really well and have known me a long time, never number the hairs of my head. God knows you better than you know yourself. Think about that. God knows you better than you know yourself. You know, I, I, I think I know myself. But have you ever done things and you ask yourself, why did you do that? God knows you better than you know yourself. God knows things about you. You can't even figure out yourself. How many of you have ever gone to the doctor knowing that something was wrong with you, but you didn't know what it was? And you went to a doctor hoping he would figure it out. How many of you have ever taken your car to a mechanic knowing that something doesn't sound right or feel right, but you have no idea what it is, and you take it to the mechanic so he can figure it out? How many people have gone to a therapist knowing that there's something emotionally wrong with them, and they don't know what it is, and they can't figure it out, and they go hoping that they can get some kind of an answer? I want you to know that God knows you and he knows everything about you. He says, I know when you get up in the morning, I know when you go to bed at night. I know you so well that even before the thoughts are forming completely in your mind, I know where they're heading. God knows everything there is to know about you. And if he knows that much about you, that's a scary thought. Because he even knows the secret sins that are in your life. David said in Psalm 40 and verse 12, My iniquities have overtaken me, and I cannot see they are more than the hairs of my head. I think there are times in David's life that he was overwhelmed with his own sin. No doubt, there are some here today who have secret sins in your life that nobody knows about. And you know them and you actually hate them. It's not like you know them and do them and like them. You sort of like and hate them because that's the problem we all face as a Christian. We like sin and we don't like it. We do it and we hate it. We desire it. And yet at the same time, we despise it. And we live in the secrets of our own life and the secrets of our own heart. And oftentimes we even come to the house of God and we feel ashamed and we don't even feel like we're worthy to be here. And we know that God has numbered them like the numbers of the hairs of your head. That's what David says. And I would stop there and we would all be discouraged if I didn't give you the end of that statement. For the next verse goes on and it says, He cried to the Lord and he said, Lord, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. That God's grace abounds beyond your sin. And we know that's true and we all understand that, but it's only when we come in that place in our life where we have a secret sin that God must alone deliver us from and God does. He has numbered the very hairs of your head. 
God loves you in a deeply intimate way. He loves you even in spite of those sins. And God cares about you throughout the whole of your life. Now, if God knows me this well, that he's counted the minute minute hairs of my head, should I not be willing to trust him and give him everything? Should I not be like the woman who came to Jesus and she washed his feet with her tears and she dried his feet with her hair? That sense of abandonment, that sense of complete resignation, that complete sense of trusting him. He knows me this well. He loves me in spite of myself. He died for me that I might be freed from my sin. Why would I not completely surrender my life to him? So, his numbering the hairs of our head means that he's in control, that he's intimate. And then number three, I believe it speaks to the fact that God values us in a very significant and a very great way. You could say this, he gives us a sense of significance and value. Think of it. If you owned a piece of property, let's say 40 acres of land, and you wanted to sell that land... Would you count every tree on the property? Would you count every branch? How about every leaf on every, on every tree? No, you probably sell it and you say something like this, we got a whole bunch of trees. You wouldn't take the time because it's not that they're not valuable, they're just not that valuable. But suppose, if you will, that you owned a jewelry store. And you were going to sell the jewelry store, the building, plus all the jewels on the inside. Let me ask you a question. Would you number all the jewels? Would you count every ring, every necklace, every diamond, every every rabbi, every ruby, every sapphire? I won't even go there. What would you count? You would count everything in that store. Why? Because there's nothing in that store that doesn't have value. Now think with me. The Lord has numbered the hairs of your head. What is he saying? He's speaking of our sense, our value, our significance actually to him. And since the Lord is using a form of logic, if he cares this much about your hair, if, if that's that valuable to him, what about, for example, your own soul? What about that part of you that will never die? For when God breathed into man the breath of life, he says he made him a living soul. The miracle of creation is the miracle of a never dying soul has been created by a supernatural God so that you and I live in a body, but we have a soul that will will live eternally in a resurrected body. And that's why Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world 
and lose his own soul. Friend, there's nothing more important and nothing more valuable than your soul. And how do we know that? Because that God who knows you this intimately became a human being, a man, Jesus Christ. And he lived on this earth for 33 years and he never one time sinned. And he was taken by a Roman government and by the Jewish people and he was nailed to a cross. But on that cross was the wisdom of God because God sent his son to die for your sins so that you could spend eternity with God. He came to save your soul. And the value that God places on the human being is seen in the death and the sacrifice of his own son. And if God places that kind of value on the human soul, how much more should you and I place the value of reaching souls for Christ? We used to use a term in evangelism called soul winning. And the church saw its responsibility and duty to manifest the love of God to the world. And how do we do that? By going out and preaching this gospel message. And by doing that, seeing souls won to Christ. How does the church convey to the world their own significance? It is through the preaching of the gospel. It is telling every person that God became a man and loves you and died so that you could be saved. And if you would trust him, you could have eternal life free by the grace of God. Not something you pay for, not something you achieve. It is something that God gives you. You receive it. And so therefore we see in the simple numbering of the hairs of our head this great truth of the value that God places upon us as human beings. So never underestimate your value. Never underestimate your importance. Two years ago, my, my beloved mother passed away. I stood by her bed in Denver, Colorado, and saw her draw her last breath. I really loved my mother. But better yet... I know she really loved me. She was, she was sweet, southern, and sophisticated. Every time I called her, I would say, like a good southern boy, I would say, hi, mama. And she'd say, darling. Man, I love that, darling. Nobody calls me darling anymore, except my wife. She just calls me sweetie pie. I work at Bob Jones. Nobody calls me darling. <laughs> but my mother did. And how, how sweet and wonderful it was. And I always knew that I was important to her. The Lord is placing on all of us something that we surely don't deserve, but yet nonetheless it's true. The significance and value of the human being and that he has numbered the hairs of your head. And then one final thing. And that is when the Lord said he's numbered the hairs of your head throughout scripture, God uses the hairs of your head to convey that God preserves his own people. Not only does he control and not only does he show value and intimacy, 
But there's clearly a statement throughout all the Word of God that God is conveying His preservation of His people. In Luke 21, 18, Jesus said, But not a hair of your head will perish. In Acts 27, 34, the Apostle Paul is on a boat headed to Rome and ends up in a shipwreck. An angel comes and speaks to him that night to let everybody know that they're not going to die. And listen to what Paul says in Acts 27, 34. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. It was a phrase to speak of preservation. And perhaps the greatest illustration in the Bible that speaks of this is one that many of us are familiar with. It's the story of the three Hebrew Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three Hebrew sons who are called to bow their knee and worship the God of of the king, a, a statue made of him to worship their idols. And the Hebrew boys said, no, we will not bow our knee because to do that is to violate the first and second commandment, to worship the Lord only. And to not make any graven images, and they would not bow the knee. And the penalty for not bowing the knee is to be thrown into a fiery furnace. And if you know the story in the book of Daniel, chapter 3, they're taken and they're thrown into a fiery furnace. And people watch them as they're thrown into that fiery furnace because typically, if you're going to go to watch somebody die, you're going to watch them burn. And so, as they watch this tremendous, incredible event, they're thrown into the fire. And what do the people notice about them? Number one, they notice that they're walking around in the fire. And number two, they see something else. They see a fourth person likened unto the Son of God in the fire with them. And they go through the complete fire and they survive it. And they come out. Now you and I both know what's the first thing that burns on the human body when fire touches it. It's always the hair, and it always smells. Listen to Daniel chapter 3, verse 27. And the princes, the governors, and the captains, and the king's counselors, being gathered together, saw these men, upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their head singed. What is God saying? He preserves his own people. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man snatch them out of my hand. When you are in Christ, in spite of ourselves, we are preserved. We are eternally secure in him. And so what's his message to us? What is he trying to say to us? He says it in the beginning and at the end of the phrase, he says, don't be afraid. If we suffer in the end, it is still for our good. Do not be afraid. When you live in want, do not fear. God will take care of his own. Fear ye not, therefore, because you are of more value than many sparrows. And since God has numbered all the hairs of your head, then what should you do? You should trust him. 
this dear young lady come up today and she, you, were, you, you gave the testimony. You know, what, what are you going to do? What are you going to pray for? Pray that I trust him. You know, that's such, a, that's such a jargonic term for Christians, trust God. Until you have to trust God. And then you begin to learn in life that God does not fail his own even when they falter and they fall. He will never fail you. He will always be faithful. So how wonderful it is to know this this morning. He preserves us. He values us. He knows us intimately. And God is in full control of our lives. And so therefore, we must trust him. And I want to say as I finish this morning, this passage of scripture was to also warn us. Don't be afraid of the one who can take your life. But be fearful of a God who can send both soul and body to hell. God has provided heaven for you. Will you not come today and with your whole heart trust in Jesus to be your personal Savior? May we bow our heads together for prayer this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have given it to us and it is true. And Lord, we confess this morning our failures to trust you. But Lord, we thank you that you are in control. We thank you that you calm the storms. Thank you that you make the way. Thank you that you can put a coin in a fish's mouth. Thank you, Lord, that you can make blind people see and lame people walk and deaf people to hear. Thank you, Lord, that you can turn water into wine. And Lord, there's nothing in our life that we cannot joyfully trust you in. So strengthen your people today. And we thank you that you've numbered even the very hairs of our head. In Jesus' name, amen.